here in Davidsport State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me momentarily, Nicholas Carb and Woodhouse. They're here. We're going to talk some Ole Miss baseball. Um, second half of the show, we are going to have our good buddy Greg Jones come on to talk Kentucky Derby. He is uh, all about the horses, and he is in deep on the Kentucky Derby. So we're going to get his thoughts on uh, who he thinks is going to win uh, and then maybe who will place, who will show, all that good stuff. But like I said, in the Davis-McCord State Farm Studio, if you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than State Farm Agent Davis-McCord. He is your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So quit looking around. State Farm Agent Davis-McCord is ready to help. Call him at 901-755-6110. Gentlemen, welcome in. Good evening. Well, what up? It's good to be here. I was on mute again. Well, that's just classic. That joke's just been played out, Michael Scott. No, um, we're doing good. Um, I'll be doing better when Ole Miss wins a series again. I mean, it's been a long month for you then, hasn't it? It's been a long time. I'm like Dan Mullen. I'm not going to sleep until they win another series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's four, four series losses in a row and, you know, four the – I don't know. I, I would say four of the toughest opponents, but Florida's not all that great. LSU's not all that great. I mean, Florida's better than LSU, but, you know, it would be nice to win a series again. Weird uh, weird weekend, Ole Miss. Uh, really throwing away game one. Derek Diamond uh, threw excellent, if I may say so myself. Uh, five innings, struck out four, allowed no earned runs. Uh, Ole Miss kicked the ball around in the first inning, gave away two runs, ultimately cost them the game. Ole Miss ended up losing five to four. Um, I believe that was the final score, right? Five. Yeah, were were both runs earned? I, I thought one was earned, but that was just me at the game. He gave up zero earned runs, as far wow. as if I remember the the line score correct. Um, no, that's that's great. That's the Derek Diamond we asked for all season long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, game two is just kind of, you know, hey, whatever. They didn't hit. Um, didn't get a lot out of the pitching staff. The bullpen wasn't great. And then, you know, LSU hits a grand slam and, and runs away with it, whatever. Um, Ole Miss uh, really showed some fight in game three down uh, <laughs> down uh, eight runs, score eight in the eighth, tie it. Taylor Broadway comes in, shoves, gets a quick one, two, three inning. And then uh, Kemp Alderman, uh, the former redshirt, the Nuki boy, uh, walks it off. Uh, ben, you and I were talking that evening. Uh, and Nick, we might have been talking about it in our in our group text as well. Easily the farthest ball hit that I've ever seen opposite field um, in the state. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's, it's one of the farthest balls I've seen hit to right field, period. I mean, that ball was in the alley. And landing top row of the student section, we talk about, you know, the old days where Seth Smith and Stephen had, I guess that we're approaching 20 years from that time, we're hitting mm-hmm. on the tennis court. Um, but with the old bat, I mean, I'm telling you, if if he hit that ball with the composite stealth, the one that came out in like 06, 07. The red and black one. It would have reached the tennis court. It was killed. It was so. I think I told you, Ben, 
it was the farthest ball because I, you know, I vaguely remember the Stephen Head, Seth Smith era. Um, but the one that I remember like firsthand being there and seeing it, farthest ball I've seen hit since Pedro Alvarez hit one damn near on the band field. Mm, yeah. Who was it that put one? Someone put one like just about in the tree out and left as well. That was that was kind of similar to what this was. Matt, Man, Matt he, Smith flirted with one in the UVA super in game one. The walk off was yeah. was way up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kemp looked at the dugout within taking three steps oh. and, and was pounding his chest immediately. I mean, he, he, he knew it. Well, if you, he knew it, if you go back and look, the pitcher knew it immediately. I mean, the outfielders didn't even move. Um, it was crushed. Uh, so Ole Miss walks it off. Look, they, they lose a series to a bad LSU team. There's no masking that. I think we all agree there. Um, LSU was coming in just leaking big-time oil. They were 4-11 and in the conference coming in. Ole Miss loses the series. Now you turn your attention to South Carolina. Pretty good ball club. Um I mean, I I don't want to say they're really good, but I want to say they're solid. Um, they're not going to really wow you with a lot of stuff. They're, they're not great on the road. Um, they won one out of three against Arkansas last weekend. They're eleven and seven in the conference. Um, but this is kind of the topic of the show here, and then I'll throw it to you guys to give me your your take. I think Ole Miss right now has to win this series this weekend to get back into a firm regional host spot because right now D1 baseball has them on the bubble out in hosting a regional. Um, I think this weekend's must win. I don't know that it gets you a firm regional host spot. Even Ole Miss has a lot more work to do than that. I mean, Mm -hmm. our red and blue glasses will say that it's a, it gets you back into the hosting discussion. I mean, it gets you in the discussion, but at least least on the bubble in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they would still have every reason to keep you off of it. I uh, I agree with you. Ole Miss needs to win two out of three. Really, you know, last week we said Ole Miss needed to go five and one in the next six. Well, then Ole Miss promptly loses the next two games against LSU. So, like, the best they can do now is four and two. Really, you need to start sneaking up on – you need to win one or two against Vandy, frankly. You know, like, you're running out of time, opportunities to get the good wins. You go to Texas A&M, they're not any good. Like you, you play Georgia. I mean, they're they're fine. You need to take care of South Carolina and try and take some against Vandy. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be traveling on the first weekend. They, the NCAA did on Thursday come out and say, I, "I've been watching." They did the, they did this in tennis. They came out about ten days ago and they said, "You know what? Actually, instead of listing the, the sixteen teams that are going to host, we're going to give you guys twenty sites. We're going to verify all twenty sites and then." We'll pick 16 when it comes time. So on Thursday, they did the same in baseball. So I don't know if you guys heard, had seen this or not. So that I think that does kind of give us a little bit more, you know, breathing mm-hmm. room. Now we just need to be top 20 by the end of next weekend against Texas A&M. And then you can, you know, make some hay against Georgia or in the SEC tournament to get into that top 16. I, I mean, that's a big that's a big deal, you know, I mean, because it's very possible that we take two out of three this weekend. You know, we only take two out of three out at Texas A&M and we're the 16 seed. Well, now you bought yourself some time. And if you do do something like, you know, beat Vanderbilt in a series, which I mean, Georgia did. If you do something like that, then, you know, 
at least that didn't come after they already selected those host sites. Yeah, if you're if you're unfamiliar with what Nick is referring to, uh, everyone's favorite baseball writer uh, writer Kendall Rogers tweeted earlier. Uh, sources told D1 Baseball that the NCAA selection committee will now announce twenty possible regional host sites the week of May 10th and will dwindle that number to 16 the night before selection Monday. This allows more teams to compete for host sites. So yeah, buys you more time. And honestly, it kind of gives you that opportunity, that window to, like Nick said, make some hay in the A&M series, the Georgia series to con- the, to close out the regular season. And then maybe you win a game or two in Hoover and kind of get some some breathing room there. But as Ben said, even if you take two out of three or sweep this weekend against South Carolina, I still, even with a sweep, I don't think you're comfortably in. I think you're probably looking at being on the bubble in because uh, right now D1 baseball projects the, the secure regional teams right now, the eight national seeds, Arkansas, Vandy, TCU, Mississippi state, Notre Dame, Oregon, Tennessee, Texas, and then Arizona and East Carolina. On the bubble in is Stanford, Louisville, Charlotte, South Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Nebraska. And then on the bubble out, Ole Miss is the first on the bubble out team. And then after them, Texas Tech, Louisiana Tech, hello, uh, Oregon State, Southern Miss, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, I guess I always say it wrong. It's kind of like Nevada, Nevada. Uh, And then UC Irvine, the Anteaters close out on the bubble out. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a ton of work left to do. And and look, guys, I I was saying this earlier as we were discussing in our Slack channel for uh, a content piece, you know, kind of what's your prediction for the rest of the season. I want to see how they respond this weekend because last weekend was ugly. You lose two out of three to a bad LSU team. But right now, the way this team plays defense and how shallow this bullpen is, I honestly think this is a team that maybe makes it to a regional regional final, or if they get to a super, it is going to be really hard to win two out of three. I mean, there is a massive difference in, and when you say that, I mean, talking about get to a regional final in hosting. And not, I mean, and maybe that's just Bianco's teams. Other teams win more regional road regionals than we do. But I mean, think about how easily we've won a lot of our regionals. I mean, pretty much if we win that first game, if we can get by, you know, Utah in that first game, we're pretty much winning most of those regionals that, that we host at home. I mean, it's a, it's a huge difference, even if for the 15 or 16 seed and get a good two seed and playing at home and play on the road. And I mean, looking back at that LSU, the season as a, as a host team was pretty much over with after seven innings, you know, against LSU last weekend. I mean, I don't think there was any question we were fixing to be nine and nine in conference after starting six and zero. I mean, it was it was dead. It was over with. So that comeback, man, is I don't want to say giving us breathing room, but it's given us any life at all we had to host. So you know that that one thing, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll kind of turn it on. It seemed like I don't know if you guys saw that the the season had like a little five minute clip of of you know celebrating and afterwards and stuff, and the players seemed galvanized. So you know it's it's kind of there for the taking still, even after these last five you know bad four weeks. Well, they had every reason, every right to just lay down. Down eight runs at home. You already lost two out of three. I don't know outside of it just being an absolute wonderful Saturday before the rain got there. They had no reason to even remotely try to come back in that game. And they just kept chipping away and chipping away. And LSU 
just kind of did what that type of team does and they were low on pitching and uh you know you gotta have you tip your cap to you know the bullpen i mean taylor broadway came in and pitched well um the doherty kid the freshman um came in and, and had a you know, I think he pitched a couple innings and pitched well. I think they need to give him more opportunities. And the offense came alive and did what the offense does. And, you know, Nick, like you said, this is a team that could navigate through a regional. Even if they're a one seed and it's in Oxford or if they're a two seed and, you know, it's in Louisville. Um, I still think in a regional setup, the way they hit, it kind of bodes well as opposed to a best out of three super regional where obviously a little more nerve wracking, a little more pressure. Um, and you, and you, and you really have, you know, little to no room for error in terms of starting pitching. Yeah. You, you did mention about the hitting that, I mean, excuse me about the fielding. Uh, we don't have pretty much any player on, on defense that's in the correct position. Do we? I mean, it, Dunhurst. Yeah, Dunhurst, excuse me. Of course, the catcher. But, I mean, outside of that. And, you know, and I'd I'm, say Shatney. And that's only because where else could he play? You know what I mean? Like, right. that's only because your second baseman is kind of your guy that, that doesn't quite have the arm for, for, for short or the power for, for the corners. But, I mean, you know, Baker's not really a fielder. Bench, not, I, I guess Bench is okay at third. But. Gonzalez is not, you know, the best shortstop, the defensive shortstop we've had in the last 20 years. The outfield, you know, continually takes bad routes. But, I mean, that's a concern for sure. And, and that's why the offense has got to be so much better, um, you know, as you're playing South Carolina and stuff. But, you know, lo- looking back, you mentioned Taylor Broadway. He had – you know, it was kind of worst case scenario. You brought him in against LSU. You had the lead. You you pretty much shelled their ace, Marceau. Mm-hmm. You got him out of the the game with the with the lead. To, in my opinion, in, in my head, that's a win. We we won the Friday or excuse me the Thursday game. We won game one, and then we blew it by you know by bringing in our, our best reliever and him not getting the win. It was it was a worst case scenario. And then Broadway comes back on Saturday and 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 give you know throws up that zero, which was huge. Uh, you know, an LSU team that we hadn't really been able to stop much on Saturday, so that was big for him. I thought, um, you know, Doherty has been, you know, kind of a, I mean, a, a, a surprise. Obviously, we need to see more out of him. Wes Burton's given us some innings. I, I think that the bullpen's not been great, but I think if you can get you know, some serviceable innings out of, out of Doherty. I think that it could be, you know, enough to get you over the hump. I mean, you, you needed that one extra guy. I mean, Hey, we don't have Max Tophy, but you needed that one extra guy and Doherty could be that. Um, especially, I mean, of course, if diamond throws like he does against LSU, then you're sitting pretty, you know, you've got mm-hmm. four starters, but right. You know, we're, someone's going to have to come along if that's, if that's West Burton, if that's, you know, Forsyth stepping up or, uh, you know, we do need more, you know, shut down innings out of the bullpen still. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of where, you know, something's got to give. I don't really see how you can improve defensively. Mid season. Yeah. You're not, I mean, you're not guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, guys are just not going to miraculously become better 
fielders. Um, so it's probably going to have to be the bullpen. I mean, you're going to have to have some guys that are really going to have to grow up. Um, we already talked about Doherty. I think they need to give him more opportunities. Um, you're going to have to count on guys like Josh Mallets. And uh, you, you mentioned the absence of Chofi. Guys are going to have to start logging more innings and, and helping Taylor Broadway out. I mean, he can't come in and get a three-inning save every week. Twice a weekend, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, he, he, his arm is, is going to be shot by the time you, you get to Hoover. So this is where Mike Bianco and Carl Lafferty have got to piece it together and find a way. Um, you know, dudes like Austin Miller have got to really step up. Uh, you know, uh, a, a guy <sighs> – I don't even know. I mean, Burton's got to be better. Um, it's you just really got to find a way to to bridge to that final, you know, eighth and ninth inning for Broadway. So, um, I think offensively, this team is still going to to do really nice things. I mean, we saw it on Saturday against LSU, where they, you know, were able to climb out of that hole and you know, flex their muscle a little bit. I mean, right now, I mean, through 40 games, Ole Miss is leading the conference in team batting average. They're hitting 301 as a team, which if you told me they were going to do that without Tim Elko, I would have said you were a liar. Uh, Do do you have what Ole Miss is hitting in conference pulled up, by the way? Uh, Let me... I asked because, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead while you're looking that up. I asked because South Carolina's hitting 229 as a team. And, okay, bad and average is not the end-all, be-all. Let me give you their slugging, 402, and the OB, OBP is 326. So their OPS in SEC play is just 728. I mean, it that's not – they don't do anything exceptional. I mean, West Clark has fallen off a cliff. The guy's got 61 at bats in, in the SEC. He's hitting a buck eighty. Uh, his, you know, he's slugging three forty four. He's got a, three home runs and a double and sixty one at bats. So, uh, you know, they, they're not flashy. I mean, they're like I said, they're eleven and seven in conference. They they pitch the ball pretty well, but. They're not overwhelming. I don't know if you recall that that South Carolina team came to Oxford. I guess it was 2018 or 2017 and just put a hurting on us. Swept us maybe to open the season or maybe it was the second weekend of the season. Beat the crap out of us. This is not that team. And and they're not going to slug it like that. Right. I am doing my best to find these SEC stats and I cannot for the life of me. I'm going to find them before you. I'm here, I'm already on the Ole Miss website. Yeah. In conference. Okay. I, was, I, was, I made the mistake of looking at SEC baseball and ESPN. Oh, my goodness. In conference, Ole Miss is hitting 306. Okay. They're slugging in conference 890, excuse me, 873. So, I mean, it's. It's so much better than South Carolina. Ole Miss doesn't. Ole Miss has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys hitting above three hundred in conference play. South Carolina has two guys hitting above two ninety. Is TJ McCant still leading the team in conference? <clears throat> well, I, I guess to be fair, I'm. I've been counting Tim Elko, which he's technically leading the team because you know he's only got nine games. 
Uh, TJ McCants is second behind Dunhurst at 354. Uh, he's he's second on the team behind Hayden Dunhurst in slugging in conference play. I mean, he's got, you know, four home runs, three doubles. I, I mean, he's, you know, killing the ball, McCants says. He's, he's third on the team in RBI in, in conference play, leads the team in total bases. So, yeah, McCants is – I mean, I haven't looked around the conference at freshman of the year, but could be he's, he's got to be right there, right? I mean, how, how many how many freshmen are hitting three fifty four in conference play? Yeah, I, uh, South Carolina certainly doesn't have one. They're hitting two twenty nine as a team in the SEC. Um, in conference play, it looks like Ole Miss is really going to have to put the clamps down on Brady Allen. He's hitting two ninety five in the SEC. He's had seven home runs and eighteen RBIs. Um, 615 slugging. Uh, it's him and Colin Burgess who's sitting 297, uh, only slugging 438. But I mean, those are the two guys that are hovering at 300. The rest are 258 and below. And like you said, Wes Clark, who's probably their best pro prospect and overall their best player, is hitting under the Mendoza line in the SEC right now. Yeah, so. and just to, if you look down there at the guys at the bottom of the the, the line out there that have not played a ton, uh, Brendan Maloney has just ten starts hitting a buck eighty two. Jeff Heinrich has seven starts hitting a buck thirty six. They're knocking on a ton of doors and nobody's answering. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. are not hitting the ball well. This is a series, you know, and, and I know people will point back to the to the series out in Texas, and we did. We absolutely won where we swept that tournament. It was a great series, and that'll be something we can hang our hat on in a couple weeks, you know, in front of the selection committee. But you do have to have other wins. You do have to say, you know, here are the series wins. Because typically you'd say, okay, well, you know, Ole Miss, you know, beat MSU midweek or beat Southern Southern Miss midweek. We don't have any of those games midweek. You can't say Ole Miss has a great non-conference series against against the Texas schools and they beat Alabama and they beat Georgia and they beat Auburn. You know what I mean? There there has to be something more. And – you know, I mean, go look at the the projections. Where's South Carolina? They're kind of on the bubble. You need a heads mm-hmm. up, especially, I mean, you know, the, at some point they have to parse teams and they're going to say, okay, Ole Miss and South Carolina are both 17 and 13, and South Carolina took two out of three in Oxford. They get the last host. So, you know, you, you kind of need that heads up battle at some point. You lost it to MSU. You lost it to Arkansas. You lost it even to Florida. So, you know, go out and get that, you know, this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, you, you, you're going to have to you're going to have to beat someone that, you know, at some point, you know, you, you lost the series to Arkansas. You lost the tiebreaker at MSU. You even lost it to Florida. So, you know, go out and take it again this week against the South Carolina team that, I mean, just looking through their numbers, I mean, is, is extremely vulnerable. Uh, they pitch it a little bit better than Ole Miss, but I mean, I don't. I don't think anyone would say they've got a better starting rotation than Ole Miss. I mean, of course, Hoagland and 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 Akazi and, and Diamond and and McDaniel are a better you know rotation than what they've got. So, you know, even if they're better on the back end, Ole Miss hits so much better. They're at home. It's going to be a big graduation weekend crowd. Yeah, I, on paper, I mean, outside of Andy, Ole Miss has the best one-two punch in the league. It may be the best one-two punch in the country. Um, yeah, and it's not far off Vanderbilt's. I mean, it, I mean it's this really guy's not. really good. Yeah. But if you look at the, the stats, I mean, the just the SEC numbers, I mean, they're 
Lighter got touched a little bit last week against MSU. I mean, Nikhazy's let, let me say this. Nikhazy's whip and Hoagland's whip in conference play, 0.96 and 0.97. Yeah. In a you know combined 64 is, innings. Is that any good? That's unbelievable. I don't I'm maybe yeah. you know, maybe I'm gonna be impressed by Lighter. I'm gonna look that up here and in I a think, second. But and, and I think the the, the stupid thing is that um, I think Ole Miss is two and three in Hoagland's last five starts, which is not good. I mean, just wasting outings. But yeah, I mean, I think it, there's a you can make a case for those two guys being as good as anyone in the country when they're on. And I think you know Hoagland threw a bullpen this week. Um, it looks like all signs are go for him to be back on the mound this weekend. I don't know the order in which they're going to pitch. Um, I don't know if they'll try to go backwards and let Diamond throw the throw game one and then go uh, Nikhazy game two and, and Hoagland game three. I have no idea. Maybe Bianco will go back to normal. We'll find out soon enough. But, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a an definite series win on paper that should be there for the taking for Ole Miss. And it couldn't come at a better time because when we were talking at the beginning of the show, when the hosting conversation gets here, this is a series that you need to point to where it's like, look, this was a series that we had to have and a series that we frankly should get on paper. And we took care of business. That's the kind of stuff the committee is going to look at. Um, You know, of course, I think Ole Miss is going to get credit for the three wins to open the season in Texas against three really good big 12 opponents who are all three playing really high level baseball, but it's right now it's, it's, it's these games in in late April and May where you really make your hay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's absolutely right. I mean, I, you know, it's right there for the taking. Um, And I think that the the committee's also kind of come out and said, they're going to look at RPI, but they understand there are some limitations with RPI. There's not as many crossover games. There's a ton of conferences that have not played any. I mean, heck, we've, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Fairfield. I think they're 26 and 0 at this point. They haven't played a non conference game. You know, the Big Ten's the same way. Nebraska, I think, is 20, 21 and 7. And, the, you know, the question is, how do we treat a Nebraska team, you know, who hasn't played a single game outside of their conference? Is this a team, you know, that should be in the hosting discussion or not? Because, you know, it's been a long time since these these teams have played a lot of baseball. I mean, there was only, you know, about 20 games last year. Nebraska didn't have any non-conference games this year. So th- th- they've said that they're going to use the eye test. Well, you know, the eye test is Doug Nikhazy shutting down MSU and throwing a one-hitter in Starkville. Mm-hmm. That's that's passing the eye test. You know, losing two to LSU, as, as bad as it hurt to lose two SEC games, that was not passing the eye test. Now, Kemp Waterman's walk-off home run, you know, passing the eye test. So, you come out and crush the ball. I mean, because this South Carolina team, they're not going to be able to hang if Ole Miss can hit. And I think there's been a little bit of discussion about, you know, Tim Elko maybe possibly getting some at-bats. Maybe not this weekend, but maybe against Vanderbilt, maybe against Texas A&M. So, I mean, if you could do that, I just think that – you know, it, 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 it might kind of light a fire into the players just as well to see, you know, their captain, the fifth-year senior coming back out there, I think could be a really cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. All right. A lot on the line this weekend for Ole Miss. It's kind of all in front of them. You know, I hate to use the phrase, you know, control your destiny because by definition you cannot control destiny. But um, 
but Ole Miss is is kind of in charge of where they go from here. I mean, it's it's all right there for the taking, especially this weekend, starting off against um, a not so formidable opponent. And then you've got A and M, you've got Vandy, you've got Georgia. Um, so it's it's still there. A lot of work to be done, but uh, it's not all for uh, it's not all lost yet. Um, so we're going to take our break here from the sponsors that make this show possible. After that, we welcome in our buddy, Greg, you got something else? Yeah, real quick. I was going to say, you got, you got a prediction for us. I got one. Um, oh, for the, for the Derby. No, well, I was going to say prediction for the baseball series. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And we can give our, our winning horse. Um, I think Ole Miss, I think they take two of three. I think Nikhazy and Hoagland are good enough, and South Carolina is really struggling to hit the ball in conference play, and I think those two guys are pitching as good as anybody in the country, like we said. So I think they take two of three. I think Ole Miss gets off the snide. I think Ole Miss is playing on Sunday. It is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. Mm -hmm. I think Ole Miss is playing on Sunday for a chance to sweep. I really do. I can see that. I think they're going to start playing. I mean, you know how Sunday games are. It's kind of a crapshoot at that point. But I just, I mean, if you told me we're going to split the first two, I don't know who gets the loss because, mm-hmm. you know, Casey's good, Hoagland's good. Well, assuming Hoagland's back, obviously, eh, that's a big question mark. But assuming Hoagland's back, I think Ole Miss is playing on Energy Sunday to get the series sweep. Absolutely. I, I could easily see that. Um for me, for the horse, before we go to Greg, uh, I'm going with Medina Spirit. Who you got? Oh, and I was on mute. I had this last night for us. Uh, let me see if I can pull that back up. I liked Madonna Spirit a lot. I think I actually decided I was going to go with Known Agenda. I kind of looked at Dynamic one. Known Agenda is in the first position. Nobody's won in the first position since 1987. Mm. But I say the streak's got to stop at some point. I mean, that can't go on forever. Known Agenda, I think, is an 8-1, to one, so maybe the fourth or fifth favorite. Uh, won the Arkansas Derby, has probably the best jockey in the, the, the Derby field. So, yeah, Known Agenda on the inside. All right. Like I said, quick break to hear from the sponsors. When we come back, we will have Greg Jones in our Kentucky Derby preview. So hang tight and we will talk some horse racing. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion. To remind you, of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails it can't be beat that's second line restaurant hours in memphis and magnolia house in biloxi speaking of good food if you're in oxford go see greg and the good folks at lb's meat market the inaugural sponsor of this year podcast on university avenue across from kroger 
Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their healing station, High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that healing station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle. Make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are here with our good buddy, Greg Jones of LB's Meat Market. Greg, welcome in to the show. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. Uh, couldn't uh, forgot the last time when we talked, uh, but yeah, it's always good to get back on the show with you guys. So we started out uh, the first part of the show. We talked a lot of baseball, talked about the hosting situation. Um, D1 baseball has Ole Miss on the bubble out in terms of hosting. I don't know if you saw it earlier today, but uh, – D1 baseball um, 
had some sources that the NCAA selection committee is actually going to pick 20 on May 10th, 20 host sites, and then they'll dwindle it down to 16 um, the following couple weeks. So it gives Ole Miss a window and gives them an opportunity to get into that discussion um, to kind of give them some time to win some games. But um, four straight SEC series lost against LSU. They had the dramatic comeback on Saturday. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this team heading into the home stretch as we get to May? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, uh, not trying to make any excuses, but, you know, losing Elko uh, whenever he's, you know, was really swinging the bat hot, um, that kind of hurt. Uh, but, of course, you know, uh, it's got to be next person up. So, um, not not making any excuses. I mean, I know losing Trophy hurt a lot, that back end of the bullpen. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, – it is what it is. I mean, it's not like uh, – it's not like they're losing to, to, you know, bad teams, even though that uh, two out of three uh, and then salvage the win on the 9-1 comeback on Sunday was big. But, you know, all it takes is one win, you know, for a team to get back on track. So hopefully that, you know, two-out rally uh, to tie that up in the eighth and then the first pitch walk-off in the ninth, uh, you know, and, you know, we don't have a midweek game. So hopefully, um, hopefully it kind of recharges the batteries and uh, we make on a little run. Uh, uh, it's not like this team isn't bad. I mean, I know losing Gunner uh, uh, on a Friday. I don't know what his status is, but uh, you know, with Nikhazy, uh, you always got a really good shot. And um, you know, Derek Diamond, uh, with finding out that he was going to be, you know, pitch starting a game at three thirty, uh, pitched a really good game. And you just hate that that happens whenever you know uh, you get a good outing from a starting pitcher and you can't capitalize on it. Yeah. We, we talked about that in the first part of the show about how Diamond threw his tail off. He threw five innings, didn't give up an earned run, struck out four. It wasn't anything glamorous. It wasn't a double-digit K outing, but he did everything he could. And, you know, if Olmos doesn't kick the ball around in that first inning, they probably win and, you know, you're going to win the series if they win that first game. But um, as far as I know, Hoagland is, is set to throw this weekend. I don't know which game. I uh, threw a bullpen this week. They said everything was good. Um, so unless he's got some kind of stiffness or soreness after throwing that bullpen that I don't know about, I think he's going to be playing this weekend. So that's good for Ole Miss. Um, on paper uh, this weekend, uh, Ole Miss should be able to handle the Gamecocks. Uh, they don't hit it very well, and then they're really not hitting it well in SEC play. Ole Miss not only leads the SEC in total batting average as a team, but they lead the SEC in um, in, in SEC game uh, statistically batting average. So um, this is a team where you've got guys like TJ McCants have really stepped up, um, you know, Peyton Chatagnier, uh, Kevin Graham, obviously is a known commodity. He's hitting the ball well. Um, so there's some guys that are really stepping up and, you know, the offense has always been there. You, you mentioned it, Greg, about how it was tough to lose Tim Elko, but um, I think that they've kind of shocked everybody. And honestly, haven't really skipped a beat, which is pretty insane to say after Tim Elko was the national hitter of the month in March. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and he's kind of flip flop uh, the 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 lineup a little bit and trying to you know put you know the right uh, you know players in the right spot and you know uh, TJ McCants has been a, has been an awesome surprise uh, this year and he's a player man and uh, uh, you know I, I, I was kind of wondering where Trey Lafleur end up uh, where has he been I think that you know he could probably get some uh, some at bats but man it is what it is but yeah Chatney has been uh, has been a player all year long and uh you know you just got to have somebody like that step up and uh, um they're, they're gonna get through it i just like i said i think this is going to be a big weekend if they can if they can get a sweep that's even better um i do have a inside angle on south carolina i'm feeding them uh, both thursday friday saturday and sunday and uh-huh. they are actually they are actually staying in olive branch this weekend because they couldn't find any hotels in batesville oxford or tupelo so uh, imagine playing a nine inning game and then getting on the bus <laughs> and and uh you know heading to olive branch to get in your bed and then turn around and you know coming back to oxford so you know um, i'm not setting, s- saying that's uh that can wear on a team, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt uh, that that's right. going on. So hopefully the reps can capitalize on this weekend, get back in that hosting, um, um, in that, in that top 16 to where they host. And, uh, it would be big because, uh, you know, Oxford's always a good time and it's always a good host, uh, city for, uh, the baseball playoff. Yeah. It's kind of weird. You think that Oxford would block off some rooms, for every SEC opponent, but I guess that that's something that they don't do. Yeah. Um, well, it's graduation <laughs> this weekend. It's graduation. Oh, this weekend. that's oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, got to uh, take care of your own first, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, I guess that's uh, one of the reasons why the uh, there was a new guy I was having a conversation with uh, doing the South Carolina thing. So uh, somebody might have not been good at their job. So that's probably what happened <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. What What's on the menu for the Gamecocks this weekend? Um, let's see, uh, Thursday, uh, they got a, a meal that what they're going to do is they're going to, uh, come in town Thursday, they're going to practice and then, uh, they're going to do a, uh, Thursday night meal. It's going to be chicken spaghetti, some, uh, barbecue pork loin, green beans and potato salad. And then Friday, they're going to do some hamburger steak, mac and cheese, loaded mashed potatoes, getting some extra, uh, extra carbs in them for the Friday game. So, and then Saturday, um, bacon wrap, pork loin, mac and cheese and baked beans. And then Sunday, their, their out of town meal is going to be the chicken bacon ranch and the Philly cheesesteak chips, brownies. Ooh. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry if everybody just got hungry after me reading that menu, but, uh, I just, uh, literally wrote it, uh, read that menu off from the text that I got. So, and then Ole Miss is always, uh, we always feed Ole Miss for, uh, Friday and Saturday games. And, uh, they're, uh, they're always easy. They're very basic. They just want a lot of food. So Friday they're doing the, uh, hamburger steaks, loaded mashed potatoes, baked beans, and mixed vegetables. And then Saturday is going to be ribbed day they're gonna have a bunch of ribs mac and cheese sweet potato casserole and green beans so um Mm. so yeah uh yeah it's uh it's uh i I had a uh i definitely had a time with uh lsu last weekend they uh they put me through uh they put me to the sword they uh they wanted 48 individual servings of spaghetti 
uh, pasta salad and a salad. So uh, that was a lot of work, uh, a lot of work for me, but we got through it and uh, got them taken care of. But, um, you know, we, uh, we, we don't like doing the individual servings. We like to have it hot and ready. So got South Carolina to switch over to the buffet style. So uh, going to get them taken care of this weekend also. Sounds good. Um, yeah, right. Literally, literally and figuratively. Sounds sounds yeah. good. Um, all right, I so think we've got the uh, we've got the softball team sandwiched in there on a Saturday also. So we're going to feed them okay. this, this weekend also. Are you doing any graduation parties? It sounds like you're just feeding everybody. Man, you know, like I, I, I wish I could do graduation parties, but no, I'm just there's always so much of me that can go so many places. So uh, yeah, um, but yes, I mean, if the dollar amounts uh, right, I would probably do a graduation party. But uh, I'm gonna stick with Ole Miss and South Carolina paying me this weekend to feed them. So we'll be good. <laughs> to go. We'll be good to go that this weekend. And of course, this weekend with being graduation, you know, uh, I imagine the store's gonna be really busy. I've got plenty of uh, fillets, ribeyes. So we've got a bunch of fresh fish coming in. So we'll be ready this weekend. So uh, just hopefully we're hoping for a sweep. We need it. Well, speaking of the dollar amount being right, speaking of getting paid, we're going to talk some Kentucky Derby. Uh, you and I were discussing this the other night. Um, I think I'm sticking with um, Medina Spirit at 15 to 1 odds. I know Nick threw out known agenda who is the favorite at six to one in that position one, uh, which I can't remember the actual t- statistic, but that that position one has not won in some time at the Derby. Uh, Nick is, I guess, counting on that streak being broken. But um, who are you well, keeping uh, an eye uh, on? Yeah, known agenda is the third favorite. But uh, uh, okay, uh, okay. The favorite is going to be essential quality out of the 14 oh. position. Uh, he's, uh, I actually got to see essential quality run in uh, Oakland this year. And, uh, man, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a tough horse. And, uh, you know, you always try to beat the favorite. I mean, of course, he's a two to one, he's a two to one money line and not going to win a lot of money if he does win. But uh, there's some good value out there. And uh, it should be a pretty decent little race, too. Uh, unknown agendas on the inside, on the, on the post, on the first uh first position and you know man that's a tough spot just because literally when if you don't break properly and get out to the lead you've got a wall of you know 19 horses coming coming down on you from the from uh the starting gate so uh yeah that one spot is a tough spot to get out of yeah i was gonna say my novice knowledge of horse racing i feel like like you said it's it's pretty obvious when you're on the inside you got to get out and and get in front or it's going to be tough to uh to deal with that traffic, but yeah, I guess I, I should have scrolled down. So known agenda six to one, uh, you mentioned essential quality at two to one rock your world is at five to one. Um, yeah. And, uh, rock your world, man is uh three for three and, uh, his last race at the, uh, Santa Anita Derby, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he literally stretched it out past the line. So, um, I think rock your world's literally, uh, you know, ticked all the, uh, all the boxes to, to make a really good run at essential quality. Essential quality's last race was the bluegrass. He, uh, matched up with highly motivated. They had a little kind of a duel down the stretch and, uh, essential quality end up pulling through but um you know highly motivated is a really is a really decent play he's at 10 to 1 um but yeah there's 
you know, uh, you know, with with it being said, there there's always a you know a, an upset or something like that, and you want to kind of try to find those uh, two horses that will you know pay your your super box and your tri box uh, off in the end. So uh, I really like Dynamic One at twenty to one. Uh, he ran a really good race at the Wood Memorial, uh, his last race, and he just got uh, got caught by the closer. He did all the work and uh, you know got out to the front. And, uh, but, uh, Burbonic, who is the, uh, who actually, uh, clipped him at the end went off at 94 to one. So that was a, uh, that was, yeah, that was a big payday. So, and, uh, Burbonic is going to have the, uh, the first, um, black jockey, uh, uh, to run in the Kentucky Derby with, uh, Kendrick Carmouche. So there's a little history going on there, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough race to win. Um, you know, not every, not the favorite always doesn't win, but you know, this, uh, essential quality, he's, uh, he's pretty strong. So, uh, I don't see why he can't, you know, um, can't, can't take it. If not, there's a couple other horses that, uh, that you need to look at. Hot Rod Charlie uh, is a really good one. Uh, he just won the Louisiana Derby. I don't think the Louisiana, uh, the Louisiana, the winner of the Louisiana Derby hasn't won the Kentucky Derby, and I think uh, since '95, maybe. So there's a big chunk there. Uh, there's a lot of different ones that you can go. Uh, King Flurry is a good one. Uh, actually, uh, it's named after Tyson Flurry. So I've, uh, mm. he's going to be at the uh, Kentucky Derby, rooting on as a rooting on a horse that was named after him. Um, there's a uh, there's there's kind of kind of set up the race for you. There's uh, there's you know, I call them speed wraps, but they're really, uh, like to get out front, take the pace and then there's stalkers and then there's closers. So, uh, obviously, you know, the, the closers don't need to, uh, get away, you know, too far from the early speed, but, uh, there is down a stretch where, you know, those closers come and if the track's not fast and the, you know, they, those, uh, the speed rats, you know, fall apart, the pace gets too hot, then the closers will clump, will come and they will close. And there is some really decent prices on some good closers, uh, super stock in the 18 spot. Um, he, you know, he closed on concert tour and, um, uh, and cardio, uh, in the last race and concert tour was, uh, Bob Baffert's number one horse and uh he's out of the out of the derby this year and uh, so i mean you always got to watch out for those closers i mean you look at that bourbonic i mean he closed at you know i think he ended up i think it was 65 to one where he closed and actually tracked down dynamic one um uh, there's a lot of decent ones i like saint hood uh he loves the dirt and if you watch his last uh race he closed really really hard down the back stretch so you, you might need to keep him in uh obesos is another um closer that um uh, looked really good uh in a, in a third place finish at the louisiana derby so uh you always got to look for those closers but uh midnight bourbon is is kind of a uh stalker type and uh has made a good run i know there's been some videos of him on the twitter 
picture of him acting up in the paddock and that sort of thing. Well, that just means he's ready to go, you know? So, uh, (laughs) you can't, you can't, you can't not uh, take a shot at midnight Berman at 20 to one. But, uh, again, I just think, uh, it's, uh, if you want to kind of narrow it down, I think the central quality is, you know, as a good favorite, uh, uh, I know mattress mattress Mike uh, is putting a two million dollar bet on him to win. So uh, mm. if you if you trust uh, if you trust mattress uh, mattress Mike, uh, then you know roll with essential quality. But you know there is some horses that can beat him, and uh, you can just tell that last matchup, that last race in the bluegrass with him and Holly motivated. You know Holly motivated just. Um, just kind of ran out of gas there for a little bit, but uh, the Medina spirit is, uh, it's a good, he's a good one too. And, you know, you've always got to play that Bob Baffert angle, you know, Bob Baffert uh, is almost like the Nick Saban, you know, he, uh, he's not cheating, but he is honestly. So uh, (laughs) with that being said, you know, Medina spirits are going to be, is a good pick, but I just don't think Bob Baffert's going to have it, uh, have it in him this, uh, this year to pull it off. But there's a couple good ones. Like I said, I, I like soup and sandwich. He ran a really good, um, ran a good, uh, second in the Florida Derby against, um, who, did, uh, who, the, um, um, I'm trying to think, uh, who's soup and sandwich, uh, finished second to I think it was hidden stash. Maybe I'm not 100%. Um, uh, but yeah, there's some, uh, there's some good plays out there and to, you know, to box in, maybe take a shot with, uh, uh, just do the 14, 15, and then maybe maybe throw in a uh, a super stock or put in um, Sainthood or Obesos and try to get them to in uh, in that third place spots where you can get a, a good money uh, payback on your tri box and super box. You talked about the first black jockey being in there, which is pretty cool, and, and making history there. Um, talking history with essential quality at the 14 post has not produced a winner since 1961, which yeah, is pretty wild. A, yeah, and a gray horse hasn't won since 2005. Giacomo was a long, a huge long oh, shot. Wow. But, so a gray horse hasn't won since 2005. So, um, that, that, yeah, like I said, it should be. A, and, you know, and I know a lot of people aren't into horse racing, and, you know, it's uh, it's kind of clue. You're kind of figuring out, you know, what to bet on and what's and whatnot. But, you know, just um, my, my thing is, is you can just uh, – uh, pick three three numbers or four numbers and just you know put a two dollar exacta bet on it it'll cost you like twenty four dollars and then hopefully one of your long shots finishes second uh, or wins the race so uh, but yeah no it's fun I've, I've recently got into it and uh, um, it's been it's been fun I've, I've, I've enjoyed it I went down to Ocala, Florida last weekend and uh, went to the OBS two-year-old sale and uh, you know it was it was a uh, it was a pretty good time so uh but that yeah there's a lot of cool things going on with the horses and uh if you uh if you're if you're interested in it and uh you want to get into it you know i can probably uh direct you in the right uh route because i've kind of you know basically gone through as many um uh syndicates and partnership as as possible in the last year and a half for sure just some more tidbits here uh kind of lucked out here i didn't know this um but uh looking at uh, this is CBS Sports. Um, I'm trying to see who this is. Um, you probably know who who's uh, somebody that's knowledgeable on horses. Uh, oh, Bob Weir. 
um so we're uh has um bob we're the guitar player for grateful dead I, maybe i don't know this just says bob weir um so he's he's throwing a curveball here he said he weirs high on on uh, medina spirit even though uh 15 to 1 long shot uh pretty wild sold for one thousand dollars as a yearling and then 35 grand as a two-year-old uh yeah. has two wins and three seconds and five career starts and is coming off a second place finish as you said in the santa anita derby um bob baffert the trainer won the kentucky derby six times uh, which is tied with Ben A. Jones for the most and, ever. And Bob Bob Baffert has the the magical juice boxes. So I mean, that's always something. the that's always the angle you have to uh, you have to uh, you have to work with with Bob. And uh, you know, and and this isn't his best best uh, horse uh, in this race. So it's not I'm not saying that it's not a. A, a bad horse, but, um, you know, it's Bob usually has a into mischief or, a, you know, a higher end, um, um, yearling sale or something like that. So this is almost kind of like, a the complete opposite of a bad Bob Baffert horse. So not saying that it's not a good bet and, you know, you could probably throw him in with your, um, uh, throw it in with your, you know, your tri box and your super box. And, uh, if he finishes a, a solid third or fourth, you know, you're definitely going to get paid, um, on, on your winner. But, um, yeah, I, I like Medina spirit. I just, uh, I just don't think he's, um, he's, uh, Bob's, you know, uh, best one, but there's, like I said, there's a lot of really, really good horses in this, in this field. So, uh, you can't go wrong with any of them. I know Brooklyn strong is a uh, Pennsylvania bread. I have a lot of Pennsylvania breads and, uh, uh, he literally just got in the race like a couple of days ago. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, Brooklyn strong really doesn't have a shot. I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, he, he doesn't have a chance to win, but sometimes you got to take a shot in these in the races and uh you know you only get a shot at the kentucky derby once and if you have an opportunity you got to take it so um let, let's hope uh, brooklyn strong at 51 you know uh sh- shot can hit the board or finish four four to to knock off a really good uh super box play so last one here or i guess last question i should say um and and, and if you want um as soon as i was looking on bed mgm i didn't see anything for picking uh, for handicapping uh, the Kentucky Derby yet, so I guess it's not on the app until um, maybe tomorrow or Friday. But I'm I'm going to stick with my gut and go with with, with Medina. If you want to tail me, I feel pretty good about that now after reading what Bob Weir said. But um, any of the higher odds horses? I know you just talked about Brooklyn Strong. You've talked about Midnight Bourbon a little bit. You mentioned o- 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 Bezos. I mean, um, is there anyone else? Um, I know you mentioned, you know, Bourbonic and Soup and Sandwich. Uh, anyone else that we're missing that we might need to touch on that uh, could have a shot? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I, just Rock Your World just has um, – if you um, if you watch the end of the Santa Anita Dirty, he just literally cut loose after he hit the wire. So, I mean, he's almost kind of checked all uh, – he's almost, uh, you know, checked all the boxes. So, I really like Sainthood. I mean, he really closed Sainthood and Obasis. Really, they closed really good in their last two races. And you know, sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes is uh, to put in a closer uh, and just take a shot on it. Um, I really like. Um, I, I really like Dynamic One. I think he ran a. a re- I mean, he did all the work. 
work in the Wood Memorial and, uh, you know, beat, you know, everybody, but just, you know, uh, Bravonic just, you know, got clear path and uh, closed and he got there. So, um, I, you know, I'm going to go another one, Mandaloon. Uh, he's been looking really good as far as on his workouts and tracks and everything. So it's hard to, you know, you, I mean, we've almost kind of skipped uh, Like a King, uh, keep me in mind. We've uh, skipped over them. Um, but it's just in Hidden Stash. I just think that uh, Hidden Stash uh, is the first uh, has the first female trainer in the uh, in the Kentucky Derby. So that's another another uh, milestone that's going on with this Derby. But um, you know, it just depends on if the closers have time to close, and uh, if that's if the pace is set up perfect for the uh, for the uh, the stalkers. The stalkers are going to get there, and the and the closers are going to run out of time. So if I was going to you know uh, pull the trigger on this, I really like rock your world i just for some strange reason uh godolphin uh godolphin hasn't won a uh kentucky derby and brad cox hasn't won a kentucky derby it'd be great for a trainer like brad cox to win the win the derby but i just think rock your world just is just it's just too strong i really want to just do a, a 14 15 and maybe you know 11 maybe uh, in 10, maybe 10, 11, 14, 15, and just put $5 on it and just let them run and just uh, hopefully uh, the exacta box hits. So an exacta box is the finish one, two uh, is what pays that. The tri box okay. is what finishes one, two, three. So, and then the super box is one, two, three, four. So, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of bets that you can bet. And there's a lot of angles. Uh, I always like to bet when I go to Oakland, I always like to bet the show bet because, um, if you bust, if you hit like the other, the last time I went, there was a 60 to one shot and I bet him, I bet $10 for him to finish third. Well, he ended up finishing second. So I got paid for the third place ticket. And I end up making eighty four dollars on my ten dollar bet. So um, you know that way you have um, uh, you know a couple more bets to place on the next race. So it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of hard sometimes gambling on it because you don't. You know, I met some Mississippi State fans at, at Oakland, and they were there for a bachelor party, and just kind of uh, kind of helped them out and got them got them through a couple bets. And one of the guys actually lived in Oxford and had some LB sausage that they could the night before so it was kind of kind of cool small world so uh, but yeah horse racing is fun man i mean it's uh there's some good people involved and uh you know uh, there are some snakes uh but you know you gotta uh you got that's i think that's the case in all sports honestly i cannot i can honestly say i, I did not envision uh talking this much about horse racing this week, but, uh, this <laughs> yeah, has been I think, fun. Uh, I, I mean, Rippy said the same thing. I literally <laughs> said the same thing. And, uh, you know, we had, we have a little grill corner that we, you know, talk and, uh, answer questions. And, you know, if the hot dog is a sandwich, you know, those, those kind of, uh, hard knocking questions, but, uh, but yeah, no, we have fun with it. And it's just, like I said, it's just something different, something cool. And, um, kind of one of the main reasons I got in the horse and horsing is, just because, you know, I miss being a part of something, um, you know, it's, uh, 
of course, you know, you can be a Saints fan or a Falcons fan or a Titans fan, but, you know, it's just that you're, you're just a fan, you know, whenever you're own, there's no other feeling than owning a horse and it, you know, crossing the finish line before every other horse wins. It's just, it's really an indescribable feeling. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it's just, it's something that I enjoy and I've uh, recently got into and uh, it's almost an obsession, but I, I love it to death and I'm um, just glad, glad to be a part of it, honestly. Greatest two minutes in sports this weekend, Greg, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Um, real quick, I guess, give everybody the rundown for uh, the shop this week. I know you've got the fresh fish coming in um, either today, by the time you're listening to this, uh, Thursday, fresh fish coming in. And then uh, I know you've been, you know, COVID and everything, but are plate lunches back on the menu yet? No, I'm still taking a break from the plate lunch and I've had some people come in and, you know, trying to, trying to poke me to do it. It's just, uh, man, my only thing with the plate lunches is hard for me to cook tw- food for 20 to 25 people and then five people show up and I've got, you know, a bunch of food left over and just, uh, you know, we just got to pick and choose our battles in this whole situation right now. Um, uh, there's not a lot of meat markets in Oxford, but there's plenty of re- restaurants, but there's also not a really good plate lunch. And that was kind of one of the things that everybody w- used to enjoy coming and getting is a, you know, really good plate lunch from LB. So we're still still working on it i mean the board's still up and i haven't erased it yet but um it's just you know it's kind of a bummer that we're not doing it because we had you know two different customers we had a customer that would come in and get plate lunches and then we have customers that come in and get steak so uh it's just uh we'll see we'll see uh we, we might bring it back i just hadn't had a chance to uh to officially uh bury it yet but we're still on the fence about it but yeah the store will be super stocked up zach just got done making i think he said he made 40 pounds of swayze sausage he made uh 50 pounds of ribeye sausage uh we've got plenty of um chicken spinach feta sausage uh he did a bunch of harvest apple flying pig and then all the fresh fish will be ready tomorrow afternoon uh we'll have snapper redfish grouper mahi uh i think i might have got a, a piece of tuna here or there um fresh shrimp so you know uh everything will be ready we're still rocking the lane train the five to six ounce ten uh ten dollar filet we have that every single day and then on sunday we have it called the clipboard special which is an which it's eight dollars on sunday so uh yeah man just you know just been grinding away just uh you know keeping the pedal to the metal and trying to try to uh keep up with everything it's uh it's crazy times but you know you can tell that it's getting back to normal a little bit but uh with that being said just you know still guys be on your toes on with everything all right you heard it here first make sure to tell them that red cup sent you and uh go get you some good meat at lbs uh well greg it's been fun we uh again appreciate your time coming on and talking horse racing and baseball uh we'll have you back on uh once we get to the postseason and uh see where see where the fellows are headed whether they're hosting a regional in oxford or they're going somewhere else so um until next time uh, stay locked in on the site. We'll have plenty of NFL draft coverage uh, with uh, Elijah Moore and Kenny Aboa. Um, so stay locked in there. And uh, until next time, I'm Zach. That's Greg, Nick, and Ben on the other side. Thank y'all for listening. We out.